Welcome to the Never Settle Podcast. My name is Mel Clark and I am passionate about helping people realise that settling for second best is no longer an option and that everyone deserves to live the life they truly desire. Hello you gorgeous listeners. So today you get to hear from the gorgeous Vaughan Granger. Vaughan is just a really nice guy, very authentic, very um, just just genuine and wants to help and, and gives a shit, basically. He is a second generation haberdasher, um, which is all bespoke clothing. He also has a seven figure business. He's a serial entrepreneur and he's on a mission to help people reach new heights in their professional and personal lives. And it was just a real joy to talk to him. He married his childhood sweetheart um, from college. And even though he did his, his degree and everything, he basically wanted to do sales. And, um, and that's how he got into selling the clothing, et cetera, et cetera. And was just an absolute natural at it. But um, I, he've just, you know, he talked about a couple of his clients. He talked about how he wouldn't take any more money off a client because they hadn't reached the goal that they'd set with his coaching and even though they were happy with what they'd achieved Vaughan wasn't that's the sort of guy he is so he gave them more coaching for nothing to get them to where he wanted them to be um, and he talks about something called the game method uh, as a framework for addressing and optimizing all the key areas of your lives simultaneously so, sorry simultaneously so you can show up and be your absolute best selves all of the time I also loved Vaughan's Southern drawl um, accent. So enjoy wherever you are, in the car, taking a walk or having a cup of tea, enjoy. Well, hello, lovely listeners. Today I have the great honor of speaking with Vaughan Granger. Vaughan is a second generation haberdasher, which I believe is bespoke clothing. Um, he's also a seven figure business owner, serial entrepreneur, men's performance coach, and he's on a mission to help individuals reach new heights in their professional and personal lives. Um, Vaughan gets a kick out of watching people pursue their own versions of success um, instead of settling for mediocre. And that's music to my ears because obviously my podcast is called The Never Settle Podcast. So absolutely. Um, he's also developed something called the Game Method as a framework for addressing and optimizing all the key areas of our lives so that we can ultimately show up in the world as our best selves. And um, I know that Vaughan is probably going to talk about that later in the chat, but um, for now, Vaughan, thank you so much for being here. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on and welcome. Thank, um, thanks for having me, Mel. I'm excited. This will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Whereabouts are you? I'm going to say you in the States, because sometimes I say the States and they go, no, it's Canada, but you definitely sound like the States. Well, I'm from the southeastern uh, <laughs> side of the States, given the accent, um, but South Carolina in the U.S. So Nice. OK, so so Vaughan, um, I love to understand more about the backstory of how people have created their success or created whatever it is where they are right now. So I'd love to hear more about what this haberdasher looks like for you and um, but also what's sort of driven you to become the man that you are and um, and where you drive and ambition comes from. So yeah, can you give us a little backstory about Vaughn? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up on a horse farm. Um, my father, I want to say in 1978, 
bought out a gentleman named Mr. Grayson and went, and went into partnership with another guy. So our clothing store is called Granger Owings. And ever since I was six years old, I, I mean, I grew up on a horse farm and I spent Saturdays either mucking stalls, cutting grass or shining shoes uh, at my father's shop. And, you know, just typical boy, you know, I built forts, I played sports and somewhere along the line, my father told me he never made a B in school. And so I made A's and he said, all right, that's great. And then somewhere around high school, I found one of his old report cards and it had a bunch of C's and D's. And I was like, hey, dad, you lied to me. He said, no, I never told you I made an A either. He said, but it's too late. You've already shown me what you're capable of. And I was like, damn it. So anyway, I mean, always been an athlete uh, of sorts is me and my brother and mom and dad. And so, you know, hard work was pretty much a given. Um, then I went, went off to college on an academic scholarship here in Columbia, South Carolina, which is pretty much where I'm from. And I, I had an arrangement with my father. Like if I had a scholarship, he'd give me a six month living you know, stipend to manage. And then I'd come back as long as I kept my scholarship. And in like three weeks, I burned through all of my allowance, whatever you want to call it. And so I was like, oh, crap. So I went and became a, a waiter, a bouncer, and got a job in our shipping and receiving department at my family's clothing store. Worked for three or four years, married my high school sweetheart. Um, two days before I went back to school, I asked if I could have a job uh, as a salesperson when I graduated. And that was about a year in advance of me graduating. And so Anyway, long story short, I thought about being a doctor and attorney, but fell in love with clothes and, and being a business owner and, and just wanted a shot. And so anyway, that was 2005. I graduated in May. I married my wife uh, in July. And then two weeks later, she graduated from university. And then fast forward, we got three kids together, the oldest being 13 and um, four different businesses. And so that's a little back history of me, but really you know, I mean, there've been a couple of key moments through that, that have kind of been like either the, the shit or get off the pot moments or the real scary, you know, moments where you're like, Oh God, what am I doing? And at each one of those little crossroads, it's just kind of, you know, those are where the breakthroughs come through. So I, it's just been an interesting journey thus far. So, so what did you do at college and why, um, why all of a sudden, I mean, when you said you wanted to be a salesperson, like a year yep. before you graduated, most people don't want to, I fell into sales. I was in sales for over 20 years. I never wanted to be a salesperson. It just kind of <laughs> happened. So why on earth? <laughs> so it, it's a great question. I mean, I went in as a, as a finance major. I took one finance class. And I was like, this is terrible. Um, really loved I love math and numbers, but then I really got into human psychology, uh, consumer behavior, how the, the human mind works. And I was like, man, that's, you know, that's marketing and management and not taking anything away from my, my college education. But I, I mean, I learned more working uh, than I did in, in actual school. And yeah. so the thought of the reason I like sales is, I mean, you're a business owner. Right. So if you're a salesperson, you do own your own business. You're just selling someone else's product on their platform. But at the end of the day, there's no real cap to your to your income. So, I mean, and I think that's something that 
what being an entrepreneur, a business owner, a salesperson, whatever it is, is the accountability of if things are working out, you get to look in the mirror and you know do a little pat on your back. If things aren't working well out well, you get to look in the mirror and and, and kick your own ass a little bit. And I've always just liked that. Um, and so that's why I liked sales. I mean, this I didn't realize why I liked it as much at, at the time, but I mean, if you find something that you believe in, I mean, we're all in sales. So I I just kind of fell in love with it and then really mastered it. And I mean, it's created an incredible life for me personally. So, And have you got siblings? I have a brother. He owns uh, barbershops. So he actually, he was in the clothing business for a while and now he owns either five or six barbershops. Um, so he's entrepreneurial as well. Uh, I have three kids and, and I know two of them are very entrepreneurial, uh, in spirit already. I just think sales are, I mean, if you can sell, if you have the ability to sell whatever widget it is, you'll never be without a job. I mean, that's one of the, there's, there's a safety net as risky as commission sales seems to a lot of people. Mm. I mean, it's transferable. I don't care what you're selling, you know? There, yes, there's some expert knowledge around the product and things like that, but the process of helping people is not that difficult. So a personal question in terms of just for my own benefit, this is, and this is something I've always struggled with, even though I've done well in sales for over 20 years, it's been fine selling somebody else's product. But when it comes to selling me, um, I am terrible at it. So and I think that's that's probably a confidence, self-belief, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I'm guessing you don't have that problem. And and oh, you were going to say something then. Go on. Yeah, well, it's, it brings up a question. When you say selling yourself, um, does that mean selling whatever service, like like coaching, for example? I, I do coaching. Yeah. Selling my coaching is much different than selling a suit. Or are you talking about like selling myself on the idea of go chase X, Y, and Z? Which no, one? Like, like coaching, because I'm a coach as well. So you go from all of a sudden working in corporate to all of a sudden yeah. selling, selling your own service. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's a great question. Um, I, I struggle. I, I think I definitely I can't speak for anyone else. I struggle with that at times. Um, I don't care. And I think, quite frankly, the more you charge, the the higher that price tag is, the more, if you genuinely care, the more value you have to deliver. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that's scary, right? Because like you're growing. Um, one of the ways that I've tested my pricing is I go all the way to the point that someone says no. Right. So every like when I when I first started building my coaching business, it was I started out, I think it was like 200 bucks a month or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I worked my way all the way up to you know $2,500 plus a month until somebody was just like, oh, that's too much. And I mean, I had a guy, a client the other day that sent me a text and I'd encouraged him. He was working for another company. And he really took care of his clients. He had a I mean, really nice moral compass, high value system. And he was actually covering some hidden fees for his clients out of his commissions because he didn't feel like it was 
fair to his clients because it wasn't how the the parent company was working for had originally presented the offering. And so he just was basically eating the cost. And after a while, I was like, hey, look, what you're wanting to do for your clients is respectful and admirable, and you're not aligned with your company. I I would recommend you, you go out on your own. I mean, you already you're already selling yourself. You're just using the banner of another company. Long story short, he he shot me a text and just said, Hey, I want you to know that I just closed the biggest deal of my career. And for the next two years, my life has completely changed financially. And it would have never even come close had you not encouraged me to, to go out on my own. And so I think like with coaching, one of the biggest things, if you're trying to help people, um, we need to be the tugboat or the lighthouse. It's probably the best analogy. Like a tugboat goes out there and like tries to push people and bangs up against them and tries to guide them. Whereas a real good coach is more like the lighthouse. We're going to shine. Um, we're going to provide uh, vision. <laughs> and and we can see things that, that a lot of times our clients can't see. And it can be a small course adjustment that they make. And they may not realize the value of what we're doing until even after the coaching is gone sometimes. Or, or that contract is ended, but like, you're always going to have those insights. And I think that, you know, we're all at different levels of this game. Um, I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. And like, I mean, that dude gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, for him not even to personally coach you. And it's like, how good would it be for a guy like that to coach you and, or any other coach, but like in the interim, as you grow, it's just having that belief. And also the commitment. I mean, we always want to over deliver. I mean, I've been in situations where I've charged to get a result and we didn't get the result and we or not as they were, the client was ecstatic with what we did, but I knew we could have done better. And I felt like I'd let them down. Mm. And I added an extra three months to, to the contract at no charge because I wanted to take it further. And the guy was like, are you kidding me? No, like you've already more than paid for yourself. And I was like, no, I, I have to sleep well at night. Like that's my, I want to deliver more than I'm what, what I'm charging for. And so I think that that's, if you're committed to that, your clients will feel that. And, and it is scary because people are trading their hard earned money for, for results. Um, and sometimes like it takes us a little bit longer to get there than we anticipate, but as long as you're committed to the result, I think in coaching, as long as you have your client and yourself committed to the result, you really can't lose. You can quit charging or do pro bono work or do value ads or whatever it is to make it all make sense if you're committed to that outcome and if the client does their part. Because that's the interesting thing about coaching. I don't know, you know, I've gotten a lot better at vetting my clients because you get a lot of people that just won't do the work. And it's like, shit, I can't do it for you. I'd love to, but I can't. Like the reason we're having, we've had the same conversation three or four times, you know, either move your feet or don't, but I'm not, I can't, you're taking time away from someone who will take action. And I think that's, that's probably been my biggest challenge, but it's just, it's a moving target, but no, I struggle with it as well. Sorry. Long answer. No, no, no. Um, thank you. That's cool. No. And you, you just reminded me, I, I invested in a, in a business mentor um a few months back and that was based on a an outcome a financial outcome which never happened and um she didn't extend it three months so i'm really impressed by that really impressed by that well and it's interesting too right i mean and that's the same thing i mean that's probably 
as I was preparing for this interview, one of the biggest moments in my entire life, uh, my wife and I had two kids at the time and both of them were spending the night out and I was producing $600,000, $700,000 a year in personal sales of clothing, which is not, that's not a small amount. And we're sitting there after a beautiful dinner having cocktails. And I'm thinking, you know, we're at the house. Things are looking pretty good. <laughs> and next thing I know, she's crying. I was like, baby, what is going on? And she brought up the conversation with the third child multiple times. And I, and I was always too afraid to engage in it. And finally, I just, I don't know if I had enough bourbon in me or, or whatever, but I just said, look, every time you bring this up, I think about time and money and how I barely feel like we have enough of either with two kids. I can't imagine having anywhere close to enough with three. And as soon as I said it, I was like, dude, you're, I wanted to just like bring the words back. And I couldn't because I was like my children and my wife, like those are incredible gifts. Right. And I was comparing it to, to time and money, which are pretty superficial compared to a human beings life. And and I said, baby, I said, I apologize. I said, let me go to work on myself because clearly that's where I'm at and see if we can re-engage in this conversation. And literally in 90 days, I had, I was tracking over $1.2 million in annual sales. I had doubled my, my personal income in 90 days. And I take more time off with my wife. Long story short, she, we ended up having a third child. Um, I named him, he was a, his name is Liam. Uh, and we have, I've named a, a retail store after him. Second scariest thing I've ever done is start a business. that was my own, like a big boy business, quote unquote. But I mean, the reason I bring that up is that commitment level. Like, I don't really give a damn about, I mean, I do care about me, but I don't care. I care more about people I love and the impact I can have with other people. Cause I think that's a gift of mine. That's where the stakes get high enough for me to really perform. And, and whether it's somebody paying me $2,500 a month for me to coach them and, and me committing to that result, like committing to that relationship for them, it's not about the money for me. It's really about what they find in that journey. Um, and also the same with providing for employees and providing for family. Like I have to create enough pressure for me personally that I have to perform in it. Like failing is not really a stupid little poster. You never fail unless you quit. <laughs> like I make mistakes and learn all the time, but I really don't fail much. Cause like, I just, there's no safety net. Like I can't afford to let whoever down. And I just had to play in a high stakes game in order to do that consistently. And I don't know, that scares the shit out of a lot of people. But for me, that's like, something's forged in there and also what's neat is you I, there has to be something else at play for all of this to work out mm. and i think that's the cool part like you really learn at least for me personally uh, i've learned dependence on on god and and other people and the fact that i can't control everything i just give it my all and it always works out like it's never not worked out. Even when it quote unquote didn't work out, like it typically works out in a way that's much better than I could ever envision in any way. Like, I can't ever say, man, that really sucked. I'm, you know, I, I'm terminally done because of that. So I don't know. It's, it's motivating in there. 
So uh, that brought me up a couple of questions. The first one, I'm sure people are going to be dying to know, what did you do in those 90 days to double your sales? And moving on from that, I'd, I'd love to know how you actually moved into coaching from being, you know, when, when you say you were sales for clothes, are you selling them to the, the shops? Are you like the wholesale? The individual clientele. So like I will dress individual clients. So as I ended up at the height of my personal one-on-one uh, clothing sales career. I was hitting 1.5 in annual sale, 1.5 million in annual sales, and that's to individual clientele. And literally in that 90 days, Mel, all I, I hired a coach. Uh, the whole purpose of hiring a coach, right? And I think this is something that just a lot of people never experience. We'll, we'll spend tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to university or college. And it's like, wait a minute, I can hire a coach very specific to what I'm trying to do for a lot less than that. And they have experienced in their own career paths. Like I'll never hire a coach that's never done what I'm trying to do, number one. And then number two, like it's kind of like planning a wedding, right? So we do a lot of weddings in our business. And I tell Brian Grooms all the time, look, this is hopefully going to be your only wedding. So you're going to do this one time. We do this hundreds of times a year. So I better be a lot better at it than you. So like the first thing I do is like hire a coach. So I went out and hired a coach specific to sales. I went and researched um, and I found a company that teaches clothing salespeople, like direct salespeople, how to sell more to individual clients and, and to build a book of business. And I, and I hired a coach. I stayed with her for a year. I called her that, that conversation with my wife was on a Thursday. I called her on a Friday. I sent her the money for a year in advance, more money than I could afford. It was on my credit card. I couldn't afford to pay it. And I just committed to doing the work that she told me to do. I didn't second guess it. I didn't try to figure it out and tweak her, her methodologies. I literally said, if I do what you tell me to do and don't deviate, do you guarantee the results? And she said, yes. And I said, fuck it, let's go. And, um, you know, I tracked, I was averaging 250 phone calls a week. I was holding uh, 20 over 25 meetings a week and I was getting in over 75 referrals per week. And I was tracking every single metric by hand on a legal pad every day. And I had to submit it to her, <laughs> but I was committed to it because the stakes were big enough. If I didn't do it, I was gonna be stuck my wife wasn't like, we, we weren't going to be able to have the conversation about their child. I was going to let her down. I was, and I knew that I'm, I had the confidence that I could learn anything and I can be a bad dude. And like I accomplished anything I set out to. And she was basically, I mean, she it's kind of like a, if you want to lose weight, eat right, go to the gym. And if you follow that, there's literally, it's biologically impossible. If you're truly committed to following the recipe, to not get the results. And I just believed that I found the coach that could do it and shit. It was crazy. And that's just been a constant thing. Um, so that's what I did in 90 days. And that was super cool. And then that's actually what led me to get in. I started coaching my employees on how to do the same thing, which is really nice. I mean, I've got, you know, employees that have gone from being single to married to buying homes to having children and to watch them make their, like transform their lives again on a platform that I'm, they're doing all the work. I'm just giving them a platform and coaching. 
I've seen the power of that. And then I was like, when COVID hit and our retail operations got shut down temporarily, I was like, well, let me see what else I can do to help people. Because right now I kind of feel, feel like I'm not helping my clients because they're not dressing. And so I just started coaching. And I'm, from there, I just, I realized that I enjoy it and it's fun and it's a new challenge. And ever since then, I hadn't really looked back. Uh, but it's just that commitment and following the path, like hire a coach to shorten that gap. Cause it, it, it's taken me 15 years to figure it out. If I can teach someone to do it in a year, like they just got 14 more years of time to build off of that, of that head start. And that's how like, I mean, you, you build incredible stuff, all the shoulders of giants. I just want to be a giant that somebody like let somebody else build it bigger and better than me, but I got to lay the foundation and I got to teach them so that they can have the head start. I mean, when I think about my kids, that's the thing. It's like, let me impart as much of that knowledge to decrease the amount of learning curve for them so that they can be better parents than I am. I mean, I tell my oldest daughter all the time. I mean, some people probably judge me. We were, when we started hitting teenage years with my daughter and hormones and all that stuff, and I kind of like stumped my toe through this process. I was like, babe, this is FFT. She was like, what does that mean? I said, fucking first time. I said, why don't we just agree to give each other a little grace as we both learn to do this for the first time? So I was like, kudos to you, kudos to me, but like, you're going to make mistakes. I don't make mistakes. Let's just have grace with one another. And it'll probably be easier for the siblings that come after you. Uh, and, and you'll be having the same conversation hopefully one day with one of your kids. And she laughs. She goes, that seems fair. And ever since then, we both have kind of played by that rule. Like, it's just going to happen. That's a, that's a cool thing to say. That is a really cool thing to say. Um, well, because it uh, gets her involved as well, though, doesn't it? You know, like she's part of, she's like now a massive part of the process. She's just not being, she's not feeling alienated or she's not feeling unheard or shouted at or whatever it might be that kids yep. feel, you know, when parents get stressed and all that kind of stuff. And um, that's amazing. I like that. Well, you know, I think communication is a big thing too, right? So even going back to like the coaching and the sales, I mean, all we're doing is solving problems for people, whatever we're quote unquote selling, we're solving problems and communication is a two way, like both parties are obligated to communicating well. And like, I tend to be more direct. Um, I sometimes I have a hard time communicating what I'm thinking because my thoughts move so fast. And so sometimes I may miss out details or not provide enough clarity, which is, I'm always working to be a better communicator, but then in return on the receiving end of that, it's also really important for the, the receiver to say, Hey, let me make sure I understand what you're saying and, and, and make sure that everybody's on the same page. And I think that's what being in a true relationship, whether it's client facing, whether it's family facing intimate love, whatever, like just being on the same page. Cause there's not that many people that just walk around going, I'm trying to, I'm trying to piss everybody off today. I mean, there's, there's a, definitely a percentage of the population that's like that, but for the most part, people don't want to let you down or disappoint. It's just understanding what everybody's trying to, to say and do, and then be committed to what they, they say they're going to do. So, yeah, I like that. So COVID hit, so your retail shops are presumably bricks and mortar. Um, yep. I guess you've got an online presence um, and <laughs> and then you got, you know, you shut down temporarily. And so, so you said 
did you go to your existing retail clients and offer the coaching or were you coaching staff or how did that transition? I hadn't actually thought about it since I did it, but I both, right? So I started coaching people for free, mm. uh, but very, you know, much more, uh, how do I, much more formal, right? So I kind of had a, a structure to, to teaching internally for free because I figure if I pour into my people and teach them and develop, then we all reap the benefits of that. Yeah. And so they shouldn't have to pay me for that. I just kind of should be a perk of having to tolerate my dumbass. And then, uh, but then for, then I just went to the people who I knew and I started, I literally just, I, I would offer them three coaching sessions for free. Like I read this book, um, what's the name of it? How to prosper in a coaching business or whatever it was. And it was like, just offer free, free coaching calls. Like, and if they like it at the end of it, then they can buy a package of coaching calls. And I literally just called people that I knew that liked to up their game and were highly competitive. And I tend, I mean, I, I'm a, a married man with children in business. So that was who I taught, you know, like spoke to first, because I could very closely relate, you know, to, to their sets of challenges, whether it's increasing income and in sales or taking, you know, being consumed with the business and not being able to have enough time with their family, you know, and, and being able to play in that, that role. Um, I just, I could really speak to them. And also I can bring a pretty good two by four and, you know, us dudes like to be hardheaded. So I don't mind calling them on their shit. Uh, because I, the only thing I care about is seem to do well. And again, it's not my version of success. It's getting real clear on what they want and then just helping them get there and then helping them see their blind spots and see some of their, their strengths. Cause most of us don't view our strengths as strengths. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. Like I don't view my drive and ambition. It's not a superpower of mine. If you were to ask me per se, but then people recognize that. I mean, I'm like, Oh yeah, I guess that, that comes easy for me, mm. but and we all have those gifts that are not like easy things for us, but that's, they're not easy for everybody else. And I think that's probably the, was it the imposter syndrome that people like to talk about? Like we all have it. I don't care who you are. We all have incredible gifts. They just look different. And a lot of times they're easy to us. So we just don't notice them, but people around us, they do know it. And it's like, wow. Okay, cool. Let me, I grew up where like hard work was important. So you focus a lot on like what your weaknesses are and try to improve those the truth of the matter is like if you build a team around that's why i like team sports and business and that kind of stuff like if you can build a team where they have strengths and your weaknesses you don't really have to improve on your weaknesses you just you just let somebody else play to their strengths and you can be it build something that's way way bigger stronger and faster than you could ever be on your own and i think that's like I call that being the architect, if you will, like bringing in the, the right team and designing it intentionally. And it's like, man, this is so much bigger than any one person on this team could ever do by themselves. You don't really have to worry about competition. Like you're playing a completely different game. Yeah. So, so you started giving sessions away for free and then obviously some people enjoyed that, like that resonated, got results, wanted to do more. Um, 
how did it so are you st you've still got your clothing business is that right yeah. yeah so and that's i mean and yes to answer your question sorry yeah and how did it then progress into developing this the game method and the four pillars and that became really uh one-dimensional as i would call it like i it's easy for me to tend to the workaholic side of things like I love the challenge of business. Um, and I, you know, after coaching a lot of guys, but quite frankly, even before that, going through coaching myself, I realized that I had more confidence making a deal or closing a big sale than I did sometimes with a, a definitely a 13 year old daughter at yeah. times. Right. Like I just feel better equipped in that space. Cause I spent a lot of time there and I was like, wait a minute, this is not, I don't necessarily agree with being balanced. Like I'm not a, I don't think people would describe me as being balanced. I think people would describe me as being wildly obsessed, right? Like, but I want to, so the game method was really, I have to keep things light and fun. Um, and I like to win and I like to win often. And so the game method was really the game of growth. So the G stands for growth. And it's really just a, a structure, a very loose format to win every day. And every day, like scoreboard resets, and the only person you're playing against is you. So, like, you don't, there's no way, the only way you lose is by not showing up for yourself. And so, the, the G is game of growth. A is like being an athlete, right? So, you, as you look at like, especially like right now, you have the Olympics going on, you have these freaking high level elite athletes that literally train. They don't like work out or go on a diet, they literally train their bodies and minds to perform at a high level. And so, the A is for be an athlete. And it, it means, did I train my body, body physically today? And did I train my mind mentally? And so every day, did I push myself in a physical kind of way uh, with some type of training or intentionality around it? And then also, did I consume something to, to make my brain grow? Or did I practice meditation? And, and that can change depending on, you know, kind of what you need the most at the time. But every day I'm going to commit to doing those two things. And then the M is make money, right? So that's business. Every day did I do something to make, like to move the business forward. Um, money doesn't buy happiness, but it does. Does You tell me you got money. It's a little easier yeah. to be happy. Than free, <laughs> right? And it's like every day just playing your business in a way that moves the needle. That could be a marketing effort. That could be a creating a product. That could be prospecting. Because one of the things when I was growing my business in those, especially the first 90 days, I had to quit looking at the sales and I had to start looking at the activity because the activity, like the sales, the scoreboard of sales is a lag indicator. It's going to be the last thing. And sometimes it can be deceiving because you can not necessarily be doing the right kind of work on the front end of that. And I, I just wanted to feel good every day. So like every day I had to make 50 phone calls. If I did that, I don't care how many deals I closed or didn't close. I, I did the work. And so M is just every day. Did I do something to move the business, make money? It could be prospecting, whatever that sounds like. And then E is probably the most fun and challenging parts of the deal is engaging in relationships. You know, like I've been married for what, 17 years this year. My wife and I have been together more of our lives than not. And sometimes I can blame being in a dry spot or, 
or distant from her, I can blame it on her versus me just owning the damn relationship. Uh, 10 out of 10 times when our relationship is off, it's because I'm not handling myself the way I should inside of our relationship. So like engaging in relationships means every day sending a note of love, admiration, respect um, to her or to one of my children or to a client. It's just engaging in a way that doesn't require the other person to respond. So it could be a simple text message to, to Aaron saying, hey, baby, I love you. Enjoyed hanging out last night. Or to my daughter, I'm so proud for you making the softball team. Um, I know that was scary for you and you committed to it and you did a great job. Via text message, because they don't have to respond. And I've, it's been really cool. I've done this with relationships that were broken, if you will. Mm-hmm. And after time, it's just like adding a bunch of credits into the bank account. Like eventually they just reply. I've, I've only had one relationship in four years that no matter how much I poured into it, they just would not respond back. Like we couldn't bridge that gap. And eventually I just, I said, you know, I've done everything I can do at this point. I'm done. But I learned more about me and what I in that process, it's that selfless giving. And I think instead of relationships, a lot of times we do a, a trade-off, right? So I'm going to do this for my wife so that she does this for me. And it's like this bartering system inside of relationships makes it very transactional. So again, to kind of tighten all that up, game of growth, just to keep it fun and light. Every day we reset. So if I have a shit day, I can be like, it's all right, tomorrow I get to restart. But also it's simple enough where you can win every day. So, I mean, you can streak together 365 days, in a year worth of wins just by saying, did I train my body? Did I feed my mind? Did I do something to move the business forward today? And did I engage in a relationship without any expectation of anything in return? And it keeps it fun and light. And you can do it by nine 30 in the morning. You've already checked off, you know, you've won the game for the day and the rest of it is gravy and you create some serious momentum by doing it because it just feeds that. It's like social media. It's just addicting. It's like, oh, this is cool. And I, you really get addicted to winning. And it keeps you dimensional. You know, you get to become wildly successful <laughs> in business and personal and with yourself. I mean, it just creates a lot of confidence. Is that something you created yourself or is that something, you know, through the mentorship you've had personally that you've sort of picked a bit there, picked a bit there, picked a bit there? So the, that's a great question. I've kind of taken it from, I want to say, the three people I would kind of contribute it to would be a, a blend of Tony Robbins, a guy named Garrett White and Sean Whalen. And they all have their own versions of it. Uh, some of it was a little too structured for me. Like it wasn't free flowing enough. I'm, you know, I'm a little disheveled from time to time. I like to create and you put too much structure on me and it freaks me out and burns me out. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to get, I'm taking all this off. Um, so I just kind of blended it. And, um, it's been a lot of, it's easy enough for me to, to share. And again, the one that's the challenge, like most challenging, most rewarding is that E engaging relationships because it's easy to blame the marketplace. You know, during COVID was a great example. We saw, I saw a lot of restaurants and they were shutting down and they basically got on Facebook and be like, we're going out of business. Now that sucks. There's no question. But I would see other restaurants that said, we're going to figure out how to serve you, even though you can't come into our, our establishment. We're going to create these to-go 
specials, like all kinds of really creative, cool things. And they were adding value, value to their customers' lives. And I think that like, we're not in business to take things away from people. We're not in life to, to just be vampires. Like we're, we're here to add, whether it's transactional, not transactional, or get paid money for it or not. Like, how can we serve? And we each have a very unique audience that we speak to. And I think that that's one of the things that's the easiest to lose sight of. And you're like, well, you didn't do this. And it's like, no, I didn't. I didn't do my part first. And if I just pay attention to that, that's a freaking full-time job. And I think that's, you can apply that anywhere, especially in intimate personal relationships. I mean, it's a lot easier to blame my wife for being in a grumpy mood than me having my shit together and, and actually engaging in meaningful conversation at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about when you were talking about that relationship that you've not been able to bridge. Um, I was thinking about a particular relationship that's, that's, you know, it is where it is right now. I don't know why it's not something I think I've, I've done or anything. Um, but the, but the tendency is to to think, well, fuck them. You know, I haven't done anything wrong. And I know I haven't done anything wrong. So so to feel like you are going to keep sending those little texts or those little messages or whatever from a place of love, gratitude, um, friendship, that feels pretty hard, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's also, I mean, what's nice about that is there's a there's a gift inside of it i believe that everything in life happens for us mm. not to us so like every like even during hardships some of the best opportunities in my entire life i'm in a business partnership right now that literally came about because i had a major problem with one of my vendors i called him and i said look we got to figure this out like, this is kicking my ass. I don't like where this is heading. And I, and I care about this relationship. What can we do? And because this was a, not a good situation, but because I was like, we're, this is happening for a reason and we need to change it. And I want to figure out how to make this better. Like we, we have a massively profitable and growing business relationship because of a quote, bad situation. And I think that that, there's a gift always inside of that through that suffering, through that pain is where real growth comes. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes I'm not ready for the opportunity. Other times the other parties or the other circumstances that need to be aligned for that opportunity really like to flourish and to grow, it's not there yet. And I don't care how big of an architect I like to think I am. I can't always see all the moving parts. So I just have to have faith that in those times and those winters, if you will, that I have to maintain perspective when it's hard, just like a, a challenging relationship. I have to maintain perspective that maybe I wasn't where I needed to be. And it doesn't mean that we're going to beat ourselves up and we're not worthy. It just means that we can, we can seek out the lessons and the fond memories in those things so that maybe we never make the mistake ever again. Like maybe, I mean, that one relationship, it was, do I think the relationship is worth being concerned over? No. I also gained a tremendous amount of insight that there's some things that I would never do again 
because I felt bad about them. I didn't like the way I handled certain things. And I would hate to see a relationship that I really cared about go away just like this one did because I acted like a jackass, you know? So I, I just think it it's hard because it kind of feels like you're eating crow. But at the same time, it's very rewarding because it keeps your perspective in check. Mm. Um, and the you can't be angry and grateful at the same time. I mean, it's, it's literally impossible. And so every day, it's like, just start being grateful and you will get out of the ship mood. <laughs> Um, yeah, it reminds me of Landmark. Do you, do you know Landmark at all? No. Uh -oh. It's um, it's a personal development thing. Uh, it's been around a long time, actually. And I, I did a, a few of the, the events. And it's all about, you know, co contacting those people, those relationships, um, and having a conversation or writing a letter. But apparently that's a bit of a cop-out. But having conversations um from that place really from that you know appreciation um and apologizing even apologizing for for whatever you think needs to be apologized for even if part of you thinks i should you know um this is not just my fault um but i i did that and i i did have those conversations and it is massively empowering it really is um yeah. And it's, it's, hard, it's hard for the other person not to respond in a good way. No, it is. And, and you know, you ask me, um, and I guess I give you part of the answer, but even inside of business, right? I, I think a lot of people, especially salespeople, what's my commission? What's in it for me? What is this client worth to me? Whereas if you kind of flip the script and let's say I have a, a working relationship with you, you're already an existing client or a client that I like to have, but I know one of my other clients or one of my other prospects that, that you could possibly help. And so I make that referral with no strings attached. There's no expectation of anything in return. One of the most powerful ways to grow a massive business, especially if you're working direct to consumer, is start giving other people referrals. Mm. And you'll be amazed at what happens. I mean, your business can literally explode off of that one thing. If you just say, all right, I, I don't want to be, I'm going to call it vulnerable. I think sometimes that's overused, but like, I'm going to do this, but I may not get anything in return and that's okay. I'm okay with it. Like always acted in the best interest of the other person and the people that will run over you, just like, fuck it, I don't need to worry about them. But then the ones that really appreciate it, like everybody's someone's somebody, right? <laughs> and it's like, somebody's going to hear about what you're doing. I mean, it's incredible, the goodwill that that, call it karma, whatever you want to call it, mm. that stuff works. And I'm not a big like hippie mumbo jumbo type guy. I mean, if things don't work, I'm out, but like you got a no lose proposition. Some of my best employees have been because of referral sources where I refer other people who potential employees, they just want a good fit for what I do. And I'm like, Hey, I think you ought to talk to this person. They interview really well. And I know you have a position for X, Y, and Z and they do the same thing. And I, I mean, I don't have to go head hunting all the time for, for new employees. They just kind of get, sent to me and it's just based off of giving and 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 also learning how to receive gifts but the best way to learn to receive a gift is start giving them mm. oh, i like that um so what are your you've got the clothing you've got the coaching this other business you just mentioned and how many of the businesses have you got so i have three in the clothing 
uh, industry. So I'm on the manufacturing and I have two, two different brick and mortar businesses with multiple locations. And then I've got the coaching thing. So those are my, those are my four bread and butter. Um, that's where I get, I guess, quote paychecks from. Yeah. And then, you know, just, I know this seems really well, so I bet on myself a lot, you know, I don't financially and I'm not a financial advisor or whatever, but it's like, I'm going to play all in on these things. And, and I get a huge return off of that financially a lot better than dabbling in this and that. And I'm just like, man, I'm really good at, at sales, the clothing business and, and helping people see their potential. And like, I help with my personal styling clients, you know, I help them feel better in their clothes, which is confidence. Mm -hmm. And then the coaching piece, that's really confidence. So everything I do is really about branding your confidence and, and elevating that inside of you and whatever. And again, I think the important thing is like, not everyone wants to wear clothes like I do. And I think being able to be objective about where your clients are and where they want to be and then helping them get there as quick and as efficiently as possible. Um, that's just uh, anyone that does true consulting. I think that's really what they do. Mm. So they all kind of, somebody's like, how did you get on all this? And I'm like, well, I mean, they all kind of are the same damn thing in my opinion. Like I've seen people that walk in and don't feel good about themselves internally put on new clothes and all of a sudden they got a swag back and it's like, shit. I, and then the next thing you know, they're making more money or they're, they're in a new relationship and like, because they feel confident and they kind of feed one another. But then I've also seen the other way around, like the people that have the internal and then you start to, to pull that out and, and then they like, then it, it morphs into a physical transformation. You're like, shit. I mean, the easiest analogy is like seeing a woman put on a certain pair of shoes that she feels sexy in like that. It's like, what, who's that? Like, that's not the same person that was there like five seconds ago before they put the shoes on. It's just like, all right, let's go. Um, <laughs> and there's a, there's attractiveness in that. Um, it just, it, it literally pulls in good things, period. So I think they all go together in my opinion. So if people, um, I'm intrigued to have a look at the clothing now, what, what's your clothing company called? So Liam John uh, USA is the, so Liam John is my son. So that's the one that I, I'm 100% owner of. And then Granger Owings is the one that I own a third of with my partner and another gentleman. Um, and then I have the coaching group. I, I found that I do, I'm very selective about who I personally coach um, because it is, if someone's going to pay me large sums of money, there's only so many people I can help, number yeah. one. And then number two, there's that barrier to entry. And plus, it, I really feel like I have to focus a lot of attention, you know, individual attention there. And I just don't necessarily have the capacity for it. So I started a, a coaching group, not to accept everyone. I still have certain individual clients. But then I started a coaching group called The Legion, where we meet once a week. Um, and I was actually inspired by, it's just a, a group coaching platform we have a private group and then we have the weekly calls and I'm very involved in it. So I basically do one-on-one -on -one coaching. If you ask a question, I'm answering it. And that's been really fun because I've got about 30 members in there right now that I'm helping and they're making, you know, they're creating that community. Cause the other thing too is like 
being coached is one thing, being coached, taking action is another, but then being coached, taking action, and then having that, it can be really scary because the people that get uncomfortable when you start making changes in your life, some of the people that are really close to you and would don't really mean it will start to try, like you'll make them uncomfortable and then start pulling you down. It's weird. And it's like, so I've wanted to create, I've been to, I've had that community and other things I've been involved in. And so I wanted to create a, a community that was virtual where you could have that, that support so that if I have a victory that I want to celebrate, I can share it. And people are really genuinely excited to see me share it. And if I'm having a, a problem, I can, I can go in there and share it and they'll be brutally honest with me. It doesn't mean they'll be mean. It just means brutally honest where they'll say, because all they want to do is see you do well. And they're, they're, everybody's going there for the same purpose of, of being in a supportive place for growth. And that's not typically where most of us are hanging out every day. And so that's, that's been a really cool, I, I love that a lot. That's fun. So I get to do the coaching and there's that, that group or that community in there. And I think that's, it's easily accessible. And I think that's been another cool thing about COVID is like, I mean, you and I are talking over a zoom call podcast and everything freaking different time zones all over. And we can never afford to travel like this in person. And yet we can do it because of technology. I think it's just an incredible time to help people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Especially with, as, as you will agree, the last couple of years, for people is really not only in the business sense, but mental health and all the rest of it, it's just gone through the roof, hasn't it? In terms of how it's affected people. Um, so there's more and more requirement for coaching, mentoring, support um, for people. I'm, I'm also a Reiki healer and I've, that was never meant to be a business. Um, that was just personal thing for me, but I've started to do it over the last literally just started over the last couple of months um because I can see the overwhelm the anxiety the stress you know I'm seeing it firsthand with friends and I'm seeing it with my son even you know um so yeah there's definitely a, a massive requirement even more so these days so I applaud you for what you're doing um you, you mentioned podcast sorry you've got a podcast as well remind me what it's called uh, so we're in the process of rebranding. It was called uh, Being a Rainmaker. Um, now it's called The Game with uh, Vaughn Granger because I wanted to play with the game a little bit and I didn't want it to be all about sales. Uh, being a Rainmaker was all about that. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. I've interviewed a handful of people recently just kind of in prep of it. Podcasts are just so, I mean, it's such a great time to learn and ask questions and I've never met a successful person that like wasn't willing to help like truly successful. Like they'll jump on. I mean, somebody's everybody's so accessible. I mean, Instagram is crazy. How many people are, I've like famous people, quote unquote, right. That I've talked to via DM and Instagram Yeah, and how willing they are to share. It's just, I don't, it's such a cool time to, to be in this space. And and everybody has a personal brand. I mean, that's one of the big things. So, so if you go to vongranger.com, I wrote a little ebook on personal branding because everyone has a personal brand. Like you may not want to be a in the limelight salesperson, but you have a brand. I have a brand. The person in the mailroom has a brand. 
like it's important to be known and and be intentional about what that is. And in that process of personal branding, you really find out who the heck you are. And and that brand will evolve over time. But you got to start playing the game. Like you don't just like come out of the womb and have all your shit together. And you definitely don't say that way the rest of your life. I mean, me and my wife have changed, I don't know, probably three or four lifetimes in our marriage yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, unfortunately, you're in the minority, aren't you? A lot of people just do not. I mean, you met, how old were you when you met? Uh, what were we, 14? 14. Yeah, and I'll be 40 this year. Wow. So, and we changed. I mean, we, we just got back from uh, Italy. And, you know, 10 years ago, in fact, I was writing in my journal yesterday, 10 years ago, I had two children, one of which was like a year old. Now I have three children, oldest is a teenager. And I'm, I'll be 40 this year. And I'm like, wait a minute, 10 years ago? That's like, I think people underestimate how much or overestimate how much they can do in a year and underestimate how much they can do in five or 10 like, think about where you were five years ago. Yeah. Think about where you were three years ago and how much the world has changed just in three years. I mean, it's crazy if you really get focused on what you want, how much you can accomplish in one to five years if you really stay diligent to that and quit comparing yourself. I mean, that's probably the worst thing about social media is it's a great place to compare yourself, which is, you know, the thief of joy. At the same time, it's really cool because you can access so much. But like a lot of that anxiety comes from where we go too far in the future and worry about things we can't control versus staying really focused on on the things we can manage and that we have direct control over. And that's really a full-time job. And it's kind of like my mom told me, you know, <laughs> worry about what you control, son, please. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, um, so if people wanted to reach out and, and have a conversation with you, where's the best place? Um, vongranger.com, uh, V-A-U-G-H-N-G-R-A-N-G-E-R.com. That's a great place. You can get my ebook on personal branding there, but you can also, I send out fun stuff daily, weekly from there. And then check me out on Instagram is, uh, at Vaughn Granger. That's where I love to be. Uh, and those are my two main places. Facebook I dabble with. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and I always like to finish off these conversations with um, anything you feel called to share, anything at all. Um, you know, I think the driving ambition, people think that that's something, and even like not being scared or nervous uh, or fearful, that never goes away. Um, you would never make fun of a child trying to walk, knowing that they're going to fall. Uh, and it's at some point, and, and we're always supportive of that. And at some point as adults, it's almost like that, that learning process is, is failure or made fun of. Like, just have fun with it. Like, learn to walk, learn new skills. Like, just play and quit taking this thing so damn seriously all the time. Like, just start there and just understand that I don't care who you are. Everyone has a little bit of fear in them. But that's where, I mean, without fear, you don't have courage and just have fun with it. So that's what I would leave with. Wise words. Well, thank you, Vaughn. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. I knew it would be. Um, thank you for your insights and your shares. And uh, I know the listeners, 
Yeah, I know the listeners will have loved it. So thank you very much. Cheers. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed that conversation or were inspired in any way, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It's the best way for other people to find my podcast and be inspired themselves. Well, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and perhaps the story resonated with your own life or reminded you that perhaps you're also settling for second best. I've been helping people from a young age and realising that there is more to life than what they are currently settling for. My desire is to give others the love to confidently and respectfully know their value so that they feel joy and are empowered to make a fulfilling difference. If that sounds good to you and you'd like to reach out and connect, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash Mel Clark Coaching. That's Clark with an E. Or instagram.com forward slash Mel Clark coaching. Enjoy your day.